The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, this is Alexis Haynes, and welcome to Recovering from Reality, where I illuminate the messy and magical path of coming home to yourself. Whether you're on the road to recovery, seeking self-care techniques for surviving the capitalist machine, or just need a moment to remember that you're not alone in your loneliness, we're serving up the ultimate truth. Your challenges don't define you. How you deal with them does. So, are you ready to recover from reality? We are so easy to extend grace to others, but not really to ourselves. And I feel like that's where it's difficult as a parent of kids with disabilities that we have to allow ourselves to have that grace too, whether we're having a bad day or whatever it may be. Like none of us are perfect and we're not always going to have these perfect freaking days that we somehow envision in our minds and then let ourselves down with these unrealistic expectations of children. That was a quick clip from this week's episode with my friend, Ashley. I love how social media can bring us together. Ashley started following me a long time ago, and then she eventually reached out when I was talking about my struggles with getting Dakota diagnosed as autistic. Ashley has two special needs kids and is just an incredible woman and has been an amazing support system for me. As many of you guys know, it took me a long time to get Dakota properly diagnosed. I think that that's pretty common with girls especially, but also my pediatrician just didn't really listen to me. I had all of the like red flags, the sensory processing issues, the gross motor delay issues, speech delay, all of these things that were coming up. And while I was advocating for her, I I didn't really know what I needed to do to get a proper diagnosis. And Ashley was so sweet and kind of like held my hand along the way. But being a special needs mom is certainly not easy. Now being a single special needs mom is exponentially more difficult. This weekend, it's such a balancing act for me. You know, I've got Harper at her dance competition and I had to bring Dakota with me, which before when I was, you know, married to Evan, she would usually stay home with Evan. And so I had both girls at the hotel. And with Dakota and her sensory processing stuff, she can only handle so much stimulation and, you know, the lights and the music and the dancing and the running around and all of the things. And we were out to dinner one of the nights with Harper's friends because of her dance schedule. She really doesn't get much uh, quality time with friends because she's at that studio about 16 hours a week. And so we were having dinner and Harper was running around with her friend and This is usually what ends up transpiring is like one little thing will set Dakota off and then it's like the whole everything just comes crashing down. And so her ketchup touched her French fries, which was like a major sensory issue, and she just lost it. And, you know, being the only parent, it's really challenging because Harper really wants to spend quality time with her friends and often feels like because of Dakota's autism and her her needs that Harper's needs aren't also fulfilled. So Harper wanted to stay and play with her friends, but Dakota's melting down. And of course, Dakota is going to be my priority. One, because I can't have a screaming kid in a, in a restaurant. And two, because she 
doesn't have the like ability to self-regulate or to understand what's going on with her, especially when she's this little. So I had to take both girls up to the room. And at that point, they were both crying. Harper's crying because she couldn't be with her friends anymore. Dakota's crying because she's just like way too stimulated. And at this point, I'm crying because I'm like, help me, you know, I need help. And God, it was just like such a tough experience. And so it was nice to have Ashley come on. And, you know, we talk about ableism. We talk about seeing the world differently now through our our kids' eyes. You know, it's funny because a lot of people will say, wow, I didn't know that Dakota was autistic. Like I couldn't tell. And that's because she masks it really well. But after a while, knowing like her diagnosis and her specific traits and the things that she does, I can clearly see when she starts to get overwhelmed and like how her mind is working differently than a neurotypical kids would. And, you know, it's beautiful and also equally heartbreaking. So this episode is, I guess, a tribute to like all of the special needs people out there and all the special needs mamas out there. And Ashley was so wonderful to drive up from San Diego to have this wonderful conversation and to talk about her experience and for me to share about mine and about how we can build a better world for, you know, special needs kids. So with that, here is this week's episode with my friend Ashley. So as one fellow mother of special needs of a special needs child to another in recovery. I can't wait to have this conversation because I think it is exponentially. I mean, being a special needs mom is rough. Being a special needs mom who's sober is like a thousand times harder. Yes. In my opinion. And trying to stay sober. Yeah. During all of these hurdles and mountains that we have to climb on top of our own shit. Yeah. And I know that I've said this before on the podcast, like being a mom illuminates every single wound that you've ever had. But being a mom of a special needs kid amplifies that times like 100 as well. Right now, like, for example, Dakota's bigger now, which makes it like having... You know, we don't have an official diagnosis, but it's looking like she's autistic with severe sensory processing disorder and she has gross motor delay. And so being a a mom to a child who's two with all of those symptoms is one thing, but a child who's five and a half is a totally different ballgame. And world. Something that you have to just continue to keep learning how to deal with behaviors and things that we aren't prepared for in life. Yeah. And it's physically grueling. Like having to pick her up and remove her from situations at five is totally different than when she was two. I mean, having her not hit me and kick me and get physically aggressive is, it it tests every single ounce. It really does. Because I really try to be a gentle parent. Oh my God. But... It's hard. I fucking lose my patience (laughs) because it's just like, I don't know anybody out there who's perfect, who doesn't lose their patience every once in a while, but testing you and hitting you and, you know, kicking and having to remove them from situations. And it's like, sometimes it goes great. And other times it's just like, we can't even prepare for any of this. That's going to happen. You have not one but two special needs Two. Is your daughter, your daughter's autistic. Yes. Is she verbal? She is verbal. That's just 
kind of new. She's in kindergarten now. So I feel like she's really blossoming. She's really wanting to copy what the other kids around her do. And she really likes to like impersonate movies and things like that. So YouTube has really helped her with her language skills and all of those development things. Because while she was not verbal, it was so much more challenging because as much as we try to be empathetic towards frustrations and things that we don't understand how they're feeling, when they can tell you a little bit easier, it's like, okay, we can work on this together better versus me just trying to be like a chicken with my head cut off. Like, how am I supposed to help you? Like, it's so hard not being able to help them when you want to, but you can't. So while Dakota is verbal, she does not know how to express her frustrations. And I know, and I'm actually interested to hear from you regarding ABA. And I know there are some people who are very much so like ABA is life. It's changed my kid's life. And there's some people who are like, that's abuse. Right. And and there doesn't really seem to be an in-between. It's either like this is abusing them Mm -hmm. or this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to our family. Right. I'm at the point where I am so distraught and Mm -hmm. my family feels like it's falling apart, even though no other part of it is. And I know that it's not. It's just that her outbursts are all day long every day to the point where it's like, I don't know what other option I actually have at this point. So while she is verbal, she does not know how to communicate her needs. So this morning, for example, I brought down clothes and she was not happy about the shirt that I brought down. And so instead of just saying, mommy, I don't like that shirt. She instantly starts screaming and then it's one thing and then it's just like a rolling ball and it just does not. And nothing. Nothing makes her happy. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Harper's the same exact way. Yeah. One thing can just ruin the entire day. Mm-hmm. I've really tried to like have her join in in this process and like pick her own clothes to avoid oh, this. Oh, we tried this. But honestly, it's half and half. Sometimes it's just on the floor crying the entire mm-hmm. time. We did ABA, I feel like from like two to almost four four, I believe, because that's when like regional center cuts you off and makes you go through the school district. And Mm -hmm. then she had like the special clinic class for specifically autistic kids, which I thought was incredible. I have never heard of this really anywhere else. And I feel like that clinic really, really helped her. She was in the clinic for two years. Now she is in like a severe special day class like for kindergartners. But I really do feel like it helped her in a lot of ways. And it honestly really helped me in understanding and reacting certain things and just how I approach certain things. I feel like we all don't know these things. And because no one, that's the thing is like, for me, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's so true because for me, it's like, I have one neurotypical kid who who is an angel. Yes. So I'm like, I'm clearly, it's not that I'm doing something wrong here because I've raised them the exact and for sure, same way. It feels like a projection. Like, this yes. is me. Like, what am I doing? But it's truly not. There's a lot of things that are out of our control and even out of Dakota's control and Harper's Absolutely. control that they don't even know how to rectify themselves. Yes. Which is hard as the mom because I feel like we just want to click our fingers and like everything be perfect and magical and life not be difficult for them. The hardest part for me is that once Dakota's calmed down, she recognizes the impact that she's had on the family. And so, for example, last night she melted for three and a half hours because I put a small Christmas tree in her room and that somehow she must have touched it or something. It set off this sensory issue 
And it led to, we didn't get her to bed. We started bedtime around 6.45. She didn't go to bed until 9.30. And it was brutal. I mean, it's like, it's so challenging because I feel like at times I'm like manhandling my child, which is so... Carrying them out like a surfboard. Yes. And it is the exact opposite of what I believe in as a gentle parent. I know. It's like, but I have no other option but to like contain you and hold you so that way you don't hurt yourself or others. Yes. At this point. Mm -hmm. And she says things like, I'm going to kill you. I hate you. You're the worst mom in the universe. I'm the worst kid ever. I, and she just repeats these things over and over again, along with her like sensory things, which is like, I don't want to touch the floor, but I don't want to touch you. Please pick me up, but don't touch me. Don't hug me. It's like, and then eventually she does calm down, you know, and there's no, no, no one thing that I do that makes her calm down. It's just eventually she's so tired that she can't actually last night. I will admit to this. I dosed her with melatonin. Melatonin really helps. (laughs) Melatonin, Harper would never sleep without melatonin. Really? Okay. So she's bouncing off the walls 24 7. That girl wakes up at 4 30 in the morning and is go, 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 go until like seven because that's my cutoff. I feel like that's how long I can mentally deal with it until I need a break. Okay. Yeah. I dosed her with melatonin and I was like, eventually you'll get tired because I'm not doing this anymore. Oh, it's so frustrating. And then once she's calmed down, she just, she starts crying again because she feels sorry about, and she can't really express the fact that she knows, but I can see it in her eyes and sense it in her energy that she feels bad. And actually this morning when she came into my room at crack of dawn, because why do they wake up so early? Like, is there a known thing for like why autistic kids are up that early? Just all every single day. Like it never stops. I don't care what time she goes to bed. She is up every single day at the crack of dawn and ready to go. Just like, good morning. Hi, mom. Are you happy? (laughs) You're like, I will be in three more hours of sleep. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so she came into my room and she's like, I'm sorry, mama. I'm so sorry. And I was just like, oh, like that's the thing that breaks my heart the most is that she's now starting to realize that her behavior impacts the entire dynamic of the household. Right. It doesn't stop the behavior. No. But she realizes. And then as a result, even though I am so calm with her and like am telling her that it's okay and we're going to get through this and all the things that she now believes she's a bad kid as a result. Which is terrible because obviously we don't say these things to our kids. We don't speak them into the universe about them. Like, regardless if we have behaviors or not, they're not bad kids. They're just kids. All kids, all kids are kids. All kids have behaviors. Yeah. And you're not a bad mom and she's not a bad kid. And it's just difficult. Yeah. And it makes, it breaks your heart because Harper, I don't feel like realizes that. Mm -mm. I feel like she gets joy out of being the disruption of the house. She likes to be the center of attention. If Ryder's getting any attention, it's like, hey, 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 look at me, look at me. Make sure you're looking at me. Like, let me do something that I'm not supposed to do so you can look at me. She loves it. Yeah. So I don't feel like we've mentally gotten there that she understands the repercussions of these things, but she does, like, I feel like feel bad for herself, like, as well as Dakota, like, and she realizes that and then self-inflicts injury on herself and all these other things that just make me feel terrible because obviously I'm not doing that to her. 
No. So it's just very difficult to find something that will calm them because nothing really helps. Yeah. I've said Devin probably in the last, and I would never, but I've said to him in the last couple of months, I can't, don't even know how many times I've never wanted to smack my kids so much. And I know that that is just, I'm like, this is indicating that we need help. Yes. And that I need a break. Yes. And then I need to step away. Yeah. The problem for me, and I don't know how this is in your relationship dynamic because you're also married, is that she only wants me. Right. She hates him. Mm -hmm. She loves him, but she like in those moments hates him. Like she's like, get out of my space. Like she'll just scream at him. He does not help in those situations. No. No, not at all. And I, it's hard and it's so much extra pressure on us because as the caretakers, it's like we need a break too. And sometimes it's like we need our partner to step in, but it's like that catch 22 that you're not going to force him to step in and then make her even more upset. So then mm-hmm. you're having to to cradle both of them, right? Because yeah. then they're both upset because then they're both going at it. And then it makes you even more upset because now everybody's upset. Yeah. And so it's like, I'd rather just deal with it and suffer Mm -hmm. than, yeah. Which is not fair mentally because Mm -hmm. then every day we're just like carrying this burden of just always suffering. Like, yeah. and it's just beyond anything I could ever even imagine in life that it never goes away. It just constantly gets bigger and bigger and bigger. There's nothing that I love more than at the end of the day, changing into some comfy pajamas and crawling into bed. That's why I love Cozy Earth. They developed and crafted high quality goods with responsibly and sustainably sourced materials from the earth. So you can get the restorative sleep that you need to curate your sanctuary and recharge from the comfort of your home. Cozy Earth is softer than cotton. It's made from a soft and sustainable viscose from bamboo fabrics. Cozy Earth is temperature regulating, which means that it'll keep you cool and comfortable all night long. Cozy Earth has been featured on Oprah's favorites list for four years in a row. They also have a 10-year warranty on all of their products and a 100-night sleep test, which means that you can try it for 100 nights. And if you don't love it, you can send it back for a full refund. They were sweet enough to send me an amazing pair of sheets and I am obsessed. I love them. Even my girls said, mom, these are the most comfortable sheets ever. And as a mom, it's really important to me that I am using sustainable and responsibly sourced products because I want this earth to last as long as possible for the future of my babies. Cozy Earth has provided an exclusive offer for my listeners today. You can get 35% off site-wide when you use the code REALITY. That's Cozy Earth, C-O-Z-Y-E-A-R-T-H dot com using code REALITY at checkout for 35% off. Quick break from today's episode to talk to you guys about Upstart. It can be hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel when you have high interest debt, and sometimes it can be even harder to ask for help. That's where Upstart comes in. We've all been there. Seemingly out of nowhere, we get hit by an unexpected expense or bill. When that happens, it can feel like the weight of the world is coming down, and it's normal not to know where to turn. Luckily, Upstart is here to help. Upstart-powered personal loans can help you pay down high interest debt all online with one simple and easy-to-understand payment term. If you have multiple credit card balances each month and are only paying the minimums, barely making a dent in your credit card debt, it can be discouraging. 
Upstart can help you pay off your existing debt quickly so you can feel like you're finally getting ahead. Upstart has helped over 1.8 million customers on their path to financial freedom. Whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses, Upstart can help you get one fixed monthly payment with a clear payoff date. Upstart knows you're more than just your credit score, so rather than looking at your credit score alone, Upstart's model considers other factors like income, employment, and other information provided in your loan application to help you find a smarter rate for your loan. You can check your rate without impacting your credit score in just minutes for loans between $1,000 to $50,000. You can even receive funds as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. Don't wait and check out your rate today at upstart.com slash reality. That's upstart.com slash reality to check your rate today. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know that we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. Go to upstart.com slash reality. Well, hello, I'm Katie Maloney, and you probably know me from a little show called Banner Bumber Rolls. I've been labeled all kinds of things, a bitch, a bully, and a mean girl. But there is so much more to a person than what you see on TV. Tune in every Friday as I talk to some of my friends and castmates, celebrities, comedians, medical professionals, and maybe some political figures. And by the time we're done, you're going to love me. I'm at the point right now where I'm trying desperately and I and I I'm someone who I consider to be like well educated and pretty savvy. I can't imagine if I didn't have the background that I did trying to navigate the system and getting support. It has been so challenging to get a proper diagnosis and to get the services and support. And that that's the most defeating need. thing as a parent. It's like, it's not like you want this diagnosis because I feel like then everybody thinks you want to label your child. And regardless of whatever diagnosis that they have, it doesn't change them. Mm-hmm. They're still who they are at the end of the day. The diagnosis is just to get them these services that they desperately need and that we need for the help like that come from these services that say, hey, you know, maybe you can try this, even though, you know, you've tried a million things as a parent, like as a therapist or whoever's coming in to help, they have like all these other techniques and things that, I don't know, sometimes have magic powers. Sometimes it doesn't help, but that's just life, right? Yeah. And you just don't know what is going to work. It seems to be that Dakota thrives when she's in occupational therapy regularly and speech therapy regularly. Okay. I'm hoping that in incorporation to those two things, that ABA will be really helpful. Yes. And teach her how to regulate some of those big emotions coming out of such a small little body. Yes. It's a lot for them. Yes. And I'm sure it's a lot for them to even try to even process. I mean, at that age mentally, I feel like they are semi-capable of processing certain things, but other things, it's just, it's really big for them. And it's a lot. And I'm sure it feels like a lot of pressure because they feel so much more than they say. And I feel like they're so much more hyper aware than any of us are. Like Harper notices things that I would never even notice in a million years. It's like, how did you even see that girl? Yeah. How do you even know that that's there? (laughs) Like, what the heck? Like, I would not even notice. But they notice these things, which is amazing. But also sometimes makes things very difficult. Yeah. So you have Harper, who's autistic. Mm -hmm. And then you have your son, Ryder, Ryder. who's your oldest. Mm -hmm. He's in a wheelchair. He's nonverbal. He is nonverbal. He uses a speech device to communicate when he wants to. 
<laughs> That's the hardest part, right? Yes, because when he wants you to. cannot force them. Mm-hmm. And when I try to force him, it's just all pushback, all like mm-hmm. he doesn't want to do anything. Um, He's gotten better. I feel like he works harder at school, though, because he thinks that he's a jokester at school. So he thinks that, you know, he uses it much more there. But yeah, writers, his own, he writers like my angel, though. Compared to Harper. Yep. <laughs> but in the caretaker side, it's so much more work. I totally get you that. You know? Yeah, like physically, yes. he is so much more work. Yes. Emotionally, mentally, Harper is so much more work. Oh, yes. Oh, I, yes. I can see mm-hmm. how that is the case. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it's very difficult to give them both like time and all the things and be caretaker to both of them. Because yes, I am married, but my husband is always working. So it's mostly always me if they're not at school. So it, a lot of it falls back to me. And, you know, I've learned, I've had to learn how to be therapist and speech therapist and teacher during this whole pandemic situation where we didn't Mm -hmm. have help and we didn't have all those extra hands. And it just makes you feel like we would never be able to survive without like this whole team of people. Like, and they would never thrive without all of them because we don't know it all and we can't do it all. Trying to do it all like made me go insane. Yeah. No. So, what kind of support do you have right now set in place for the kids? So they both receive therapies at school. They both get occupational, physical therapy, and speech therapy at school. Do you get support in the house? No. I How do not have a possible? nurse. I don't have any extra help. I just literally do it myself. I'm going to put you in touch with a friend of mine who hired an attorney okay. and who now has 20 hours a week. She has one child who's autistic who is 12 and I think she gets around 20 hours a week of, of like respite. support. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which sounds amazing, right? I but mean, I've never we, experienced that. We so I don't that. know what it's like. We need that. Right. And it's someone who comes into the home and specializes in special needs kids. Right, because you can't trust anybody with your children. No. I mean, for me, I like don't even trust my parents. Yeah. I would never. It's really hard. It is really hard. I'm like thinking, I'm having so much anxiety thinking my husband's going to keep like have them overnight while I'm in the hospital for surgery. And I'm just like, you've never been alone with them for one whole night. Like, are you going to survive? Yeah. You know, yeah. it's so much work. And things just don't stop. Like once my kids go to bed, like I still have a million other things to do while they're asleep. Yeah, it's a lot. (laughs) Yes. And I think that the mental load is so taxing. And I think what it is, is that I'm always having to think 10 steps ahead of everyone else. Yes. Like, my are husband these meds going to be refilled? That. Are the doctor's appointments made? Are these things done for them so everything's in place? There's no lapse in services. And you're right. My husband, I feel like, does never had to worry about that in his whole entire life. And I'm just like, it must be so nice to not be the primary parent. Yeah. I'm, I'm such a hoverer and a helicopter mom. I can't imagine not being the primary parent. But also some days I just like, can I get like, three business days off as the primary parent, (laughs) you know, like where you worry about these things. And that's not to say that like, I'm not so appreciative of Evan and his work. Of course. It's just that you will never understand the mental load. No. That comes with being, yeah, the primary parent. Yeah. Yeah. It's so hard. And of course there's a mental load with work, but you get to leave that at work when you leave. Yes. The, the load doesn't leave the house. I mean, Evan doesn't because he's a CEO of a company, so it, he never really gets to turn it off. Yes. But 
it is it is different. It is. I think I think it's a different it's a different ballpark. And I think to the worry, like, and I don't know if you experience this where where you're like, are my kids like, I don't know if Dakota will ever be able to successfully be, like, on her own. Right. And I feel sometimes some type of way when people say, like, oh, I only have to feed them till they're 18 or, oh, I only have to do this till they're 18. And I'm just, like, trying not to feel, you know, some certain way. But I'm also just, like, I would be grateful if Ryder made it to 18. Mm. Like, and if Harper isn't out on her own by 18, then, like, I'm sure there'll be a lot of, solutions for, you know, like adult, like living and things like that. Because where Ryder goes to school, it's like attached to adult transition school. So I get to see them all the time. I get to see them like at my local grocery store. I get to see them like at the mall, spending money, doing fun things. So I know it's possible. And I love to see it actually in real life and see like the growth of them from when we started. But yeah, I, I, the load of that it just, it's a lot. But I've always said, and everybody who knows me, I would never like think that like a home is my decision, like mm-hmm. putting them somewhere else. Like I always want to be like in control of like the caretaker aspect and like making sure that they have everything that they need. Obviously, ultimate goal is to have them out on their own. Like yep. that would be freaking amazing. That would make me like yeah. feel on top of the world. But if that isn't a reality, then that's okay too, you know? There's so much, and this is the thing with children who have special needs, is that there's obviously so much love. Like, I could cry. I'm on the verge of crying right now. Thinking about, like, how much I love yes. my kids. Yes. And then also, like, the grief yes. that comes with the reality that, like, they might not have a normal life right. or experience. And when you said that piece about writer, like you just hope that he makes it to mm-hmm. 18. Yeah, I remember like being pregnant with Dakota and just fucking fighting the, for her life. Yes, <laughs> Literally. I remember And just this. being like, I will do what I'm not getting. Anything. I'm not terminating this pregnancy no. and I will do whatever it takes. And if she's born and, you know, doesn't make it past 24 hours, whatever, we're going to do whatever it takes to protect her, to protect her. And, ma- and, and sometimes sure that they that's thrive. the hard call of knowing. And, and Evan and I had to go through that. And I wouldn't wish this on anyone, like going through the, the the having to make the choice of like, okay, but if her diagnosis is this, like we don't want her to suffer. Right. And so there is this fine line between- There is. I feel like being suffering selfish. and selfish. Yes. yes. And knowing when to like love them enough to let go. Right. But even like just talking about that gives me so yeah. much chills because it's like, uh, we love them so much. Like that is the most unconditional- love that I feel like we'll ever feel like in our whole entire lives. Like I love my husband, but it's our children. Yeah. It's so much different. And, you know, it's just like, we want to just help them thrive as much as we want to control other things. Like it's out of our control. And I feel like that's the hard part of life is like, none of us know when it's going to be the last day. Yeah. You know, so if we can just make it to another day or just, you know, like have these little moments where we're just like, wow, check my ableism. Like we are so fucking like privileged and like we have so many things that other people would do anything for. Even like 
just to have legs to walk on. There's, you know, Ryder, it took him, he walked when he was two years old and then he had an allergic reaction, which basically made him have a movement disorder and he had to learn how to live life all over again from holding his head up to sitting up to eating to walking to doing all these things. It kind of seems like it mimics like severe Parkinson's. Basically, yes. But Parkinson's just happens in older people and it just progresses. So basically, yes, like a Parkinson's. And we had to learn how to live all over again. Like Mm -hmm. none of us are prepared for these things. You just get thrown into the ring and it's like, all right, you got to learn how to go because there's no book. There's no there's no nothing like and that's the wild part about all this like it's just grateful for another day but also it's just it's a lot yeah so knowing the the mental stress the physical stress the other parts too like the financial stress it was so interesting like I got so much pushback for this and I guess why not dive in like Dakota's treatment. So I have insurance, great insurance, right. but my insurance was not giving me any providers that were qualified to work with Dakota right. in network. And so between getting her a proper diagnosis and starting her in routine PTOT speech at the center, it was going to cost me close to plus working with a specific neurologist that Mm -hmm. I wanted her to see right because we were also we've been I mean god there's been so much stuff she's already had like MRIs for possible like hydrocephalus all of these things right that like so here I am like a scared parent Mm -hmm. right whose insurance is not and I just got the quote for how much this is all going to cost me and it was like close to like 30 grand okay which is honestly appalling Oh, of course. It's of course like, it is. Why does all this stuff cost so much money to help them live a better life? Uh, like, who can afford this? Seriously, exactly. who can afford this? And so me as a woman who has two businesses right. and, you know, and obviously like we're going through a pandemic and things are really tight and stressful. Yes. Like to a degree, people will never know. No. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to like sell stuff on Poshmark. I didn't right. say here's my GoFundMe. I didn't right. say whatever. The amount, I have like literally one star reviews on my podcast right now that like, it is absurd that I would start a Poshmark and sell my stuff to to take care of my child's you're financial you're trying needs. to better her life. I would sell any, I would sell a everything. limb yes. for her. I would give my kidney. I would give everything. I would post it on social media too. Yes. Who needs a kidney? Yeah. From me. Uh, buy mine. <laughs> yes. I will go under anesthesia yes. right now yeah. to pay for my kid's yeah. care. Anything. Who has... 30 grand laying around right now Nobody. in their bank account after COVID. Even before. I want to know because for therapy, I'm not that for person. therapy, That's probably like a fucking month of therapy too. It's not even like a full year. No, it, like, was, it was four months of treatment, right? It was like to get her going. It was right. like a thorough assessment. But if you don't plus continue the that, then she falls and regresses, which is where we're at right now because guess what? The money ran out. And I thought that we'd be fine. We're on a wait list for for an in-network facility. The wait list is three and a half months long. Which is ridiculous. Three and a half months to get her into the proper therapy, right? At a facility near us because we were driving to LA. My autistic kid in the car for 45 minutes back and forth twice a week. That sounds like a nightmare. Couldn't do, she was screaming the whole mm-hmm. time. I couldn't do it. Ripping herself out of the car seat. And for some reason, people like can't empathize with that and are like, how dare you? But it's like, I'm just trying to help her out. <laughs> like, there's girls selling other things online for way worse things. I mean, we're just trying to help our kids out. Literally. And it's so frustrating as a parent that 
there's so many, I feel like, parents that don't get the support that they need because they have no idea how to even advocate. manage or advocate for their kids because nobody tells them. And it's so fucking frustrating because it's like, we're not all privileged. I feel like maybe 0.1% of people can afford that. Maybe. Maybe. But who can? And And we all want the best for our kids. Absolutely. And to continue that care is so outrageously expensive. I couldn't do it anymore. No. And so it's like you're fighting the state who says that you make too much money, but then your insurance is fighting you and saying that you don't deserve quality care, only what they determine for your kid. Which makes no sense. I had to fight insurance for... uh, for 12 months to get Ryder some new formula because the formula that the insurance wants to cover is the cheapest formula possible yes. with Mind the worst you, ingredients. So because he is on, a, he has a feeding G-tube. tube. Yep, mm-hmm. he has a G-tube. Yes. Yeah. And, and so God forbid you want some better food for your kid. Right. I started paying for it out of pocket, but each box is $200. So monthly supply is about $3,000. And I'm just like, this is just insane. Like, obviously, I'm willing to pay whatever for this formula because it's amazing and it's all organic. But we need to do better as an insurance and as a whole. Like, don't you want the best for your clients? Don't you want them to be thriving and not? I mean, if this other formula works for you, then by all means, that's great. But if it doesn't work for you and it's gone to show that it doesn't work and that he isn't He's not thriving, thriving on it. Then like, let's change it. Let's do better. Like they make these things for a reason. Why don't you want to make your clients the best possible? That's what I can never understand with insurance is so much fighting over necessary things to make our lives and their lives better. Why, why do we have to fight? Yeah. We have so many other things to stress about in life. I don't want to fight with you over these mediocre things that you should just approve. It's a system that's not focused at all on preventative no. healthcare, Mm-mm. right? It's like we would rather just throw Band-Aids at this and Band-Aids at this yes. and Band-Aids at this until you're so sick that there's nothing we can do for you They're anymore. willing to pay for all these wild treatments, yes. but not willing to pay for organic formula. I know. Make it make sense. It does like, not. Why? And I, like I was saying in the beginning of the podcast and you just touched on again, I am, I recognize wholeheartedly my privilege in just the education that I've received and my ability to sit on the phone. I mean, think about a two parent working household. Like you don't have the ability to sit on the phone with insurance companies like I did for three and a half hours this morning to advocate for your daughter's care. Because you're working, trying to provide and for you your family. And you don't know that you can get a healthcare attorney and you might not even be able to afford a healthcare attorney. And right. all of the things that, you know, come into play here are just so, it's so frustrating. And I understand that like people might have a hard time empathizing, mm-hmm. but I'm going to ask you guys to please, if you see a special needs mom out there, help her out. Yep. I This experience with Dakota has just made me so much more aware of other people with disabilities and how I can be helpful towards them. Right. Whether it's seeing a mom with a kid in a wheelchair and just making sure that she gets her groceries in without, you know, some accident with her kid or something going on or whatever it might be. Like, I'm always being aware of that now. And I hope that other people would do the same. And I just want to say that as we switch into like taking care of our mental health, those small acts of kindness mean so much to us. Yes. Like when somebody paid for your coffee. That's what I was going to say. Last weekend. Yes. 
I've done that so many times mm-hmm. and I had no idea what an impact it could have on someone's life. Just right. Sometimes I'm like, just grab their coffee too on right. my card. Because you know what I mean? who even knows? Like, and you don't know anybody's day. You don't. Dakota had been screaming all night, waking me up multiple times at night. That morning, I was trying to start my day, couldn't. We ended up not making it to school because it was just one of those days where it's like, she's not going to go. Right. Like there's just, it's, she's just with me for the rest of the day. It's not going to happen. And I go to Starbucks. It's like 10 o'clock in the morning. I have not had coffee. I've not had food. Everyone else has been fed and everything. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) Not I. No. And someone paid for my coffee. I lost, I was crying like a fucking baby. Like hysterically And it made crying. me so happy because it truly is those little things. And you're right. Like if you see somebody out there struggling, like offer a hand. Don't be ableist about it because there are some people that don't want or need your help. But there are some people that do and would really appreciate it. Like I think maybe a couple of years ago, I was like in the parking lot with Harper and Ryder and Harper was like trying to run away. And somebody stopped and helped me with his wheelchair because it's so hard to clone yourself in these moments. I mean, the wheelchair's rolling away. Harper's running the opposite way at 200 miles an hour, like freaking track star, like girl, (laughs) like in those moments, those I feel like are little angels on earth that like really help us. And on the worst days, like those things like remind us like, hey, that little gesture like helped me survive. And it's so the smallest thing sometimes, but it really just pushes you to help you like know like, hey, somebody actually cares out there. And like somebody can like be on my level and see and relate that like, you know, struggle is real. I feel like we're all struggling and we're all doing a really great job. Mm -hmm. And we all just need to continue, you know, and just be more kind to each other and more empathetic in certain circumstances and not just so quick to judge and be like, oh my gosh, that mom's such a terrible mom. Her kid's just crying and screaming because dude, there's no control over it. What's the, that's the, one of the hardest things for me with Dakota is that she appears, everyone's like, what? She's autistic. She seems totally normal. Oh my God. I hate that phrase. Or she looks totally fine. And it's like, well, what the fuck do you want her to look like? I mean, like, do you want her to like say I'm autistic? Like, do you want her to wear a shirt? I know. I mean, why does that make you feel any different about her though? Yes. You know? And I will say for Dakota, it's extra hard because she masks. And this Mm -hmm. is something that little girls with autism can do. She masks in public, Uh like she's fine. And then when she's at home, she is so clearly not fine and nobody sees it because at school and it's actually sad because it's a defense mechanism for them to try to keep themselves safe. Right. Right. So they try to behave as neurotypical as they possibly can in public settings. And then at home, every single thing sets her off Mm -hmm. or anytime she's really with me. It's set. And sometimes it feels like, is it me? Like what the heck? (laughs) Because Harper loves school too. Yeah. But if she see like sometimes I'll pick her up from school and it's just like, oh, no, no, no. She's not even coming out of the game. Yeah. Like, Dakota oh, no, says, ma'am. I want to stay until nighttime every day because some of the kids get to stay until six. I'm like, I some days I will happily leave yes. you here until <laughs> six yes. I mean, if they would take sure, you. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Great. Yes. Stay until six. Yeah. Please. OK, so you just had mentioned surviving. I think most of our days as special needs moms were surviving. Barely. Barely. I want to know what are the things that you do to try to not just survive, but to thrive? For me, the first step to 
thriving was taking initiative on men- my mental health. You know, I feel like I've always dealt with mental health issues, but I've always just put them off because life has just been way more overwhelming. And then finally, I got to a point where it was just affecting a lot of things in my life, affecting relationships, and just getting a couple comments about it. And my like anxiety and depression just made me feel like maybe I do need to talk to somebody about this. So getting on antidepressants has 100%, I feel like, helped me thrive. And I feel like I wish I would have done it way fucking sooner and not been so miserable and just barely trying to survive. Because like, we have to thrive and we have to wear our oxygen mask to help our little nuggets around us. And if we're not thriving and we're depleted and anxious and depressed and all these things, like we're not going to be our very best to help those around us. And that's what I feel like really resonates with me is like, I want to be my very best for them. And I don't want to be like, I don't want to be so anxious and I don't want to feel like so depressed and so much like grief on certain situations that like we can't change. So getting on meds has really helped. Are you in therapy too? I am not. I should be, but I feel like that's my next step. But no, definitely getting on meds has really helped. But I definitely feel like I need some really deep therapy because yeah. Yeah. I think that for me with therapy, the the biggest piece is, of course, like unpacking all of my stuff is yeah. important. So that way I can be present for my kids. Also recognizing my triggers. Like I am just really triggered right now by the things that she's saying and they're not rooted in truth. And right. it's not who I am. Right. And it's okay. Yeah. That, you know, that you're feeling upset about this. And so that, that key piece, and you said it before, of like not taking it personally. Right. I used to think that my children's behavior was a direct reflection of who I was. And it does not matter. Like, like I said, with Harper, if you look at Harper, I just had her parent teacher conference, right? And, and I just realized that some people might be confused that you have a Harper and I have a Harper. Okay. So we, (laughs) we both have Harpers. For my Harper, it's like her teacher's like, she's a straight A student. She's so great in class. She's such a great listener. She gets A for citizenship. She's an excellent friend, all of these things. So I'm like, I know that it's not that I'm like a shitty parent. Not at all. Or that you're doing something wrong. (laughs) No, but it is. So the therapy piece was like so key there. And then I think I'm starting to develop a community of other special needs moms to be able to talk with and yes. to be able to communicate with. And vent. And, and vent just too. know that like it's not being judged or like anything like that. You know, like we all have these moments where shit gets hard and like we need to let it out and then we can move along. Mm-hmm. Right. We don't stay in these moments like and we don't live in like the bad times. We try to just like move along and like do what we're going to do next, you know? And yeah, I definitely feel like therapy need to unpack, like to be a better parent, to just not do what my parents did. Because I feel like that's a huge focus for me is just like being a gentle parent. My parents were not gentle parents at all. So even just trying to always keep that in the back of my mind, like this is what's keeping me going. Like this is what's keeping me trying to be the best that I possibly can. Yeah. I think that it's so interesting because as a result, when I got pregnant with Harper, I was so intent on being the perfect gentle parent. Mm -hmm. And all that went out the window with Dakota. And that's not to say that I don't implement those 
things in my life, but it's just some things like we were talking about before are not possible to do with a special needs kid. Right. And I you're going to drive yourself wild trying to do yes. that. <laughs> yes. You know, once you understand and realize, and I feel like come to that self like center with yourself and understand certain things, it's like, okay, we can do this. Mm-hmm. We just need to take a breather. And not giving yourself a hard time about that either. And I I honestly am like at the point where I'm like, just have grace for yourself. Like if she doesn't brush her teeth, who fucking cares? Just have grace for yourself. If she doesn't brush her hair today, who cares? Just have grace for yourself. <laughs> and if she's having a hard day, have grace for <laughs> yourself, yourself too. too. Yeah. Because you have hard days too, you yes. know? And that's where I feel like we extend a lot of grace to everybody else, but not to ourselves. Yeah. And you're right. Like we try to extend so much grace to them, you know, in whatever terms it may be brushing your teeth, putting on your socks, putting on your shoes. I mean, there's a whole list of things that we don't like to do. Turning on the lights. I mean, you know, the list goes on and on. But extending that grace really helps, I feel like, everybody. And we are so easy to extend grace to others, but not really to ourselves. And I feel like that's where it's difficult as a parent of kids with disabilities that we have to allow ourselves to have that grace too, whether we're having a bad day or whatever it may be, like none of us are perfect and we're not always going to have these perfect freaking days that we somehow envision in our minds and then let ourselves down with these unrealistic expectations of children. Yeah. At the end of the day, I think we both agree and know that our kids chose us for a reason. Oh, yes. And that they are our greatest teachers. They are. And so I guess I would ask what... What are the like three biggest lessons, gifts that your kids have taught you? I would say one gift is definitely a checking my ableism and mm-hmm. knowing how privileged I am for a lot of things. Another gift would be seeing the world like through their eyes. Like Ryder has very much like a cocktail personality where he like really sees the best in everybody. I feel like as a whole as a population, we tend to really pick out the worst in people and really hyper focus on that. So seeing the world through that perspective has really made me think like, oh, wow, like this is really just like a beautiful thing that like we all get to adventure in together. And it's things that like we should be grateful for, Mm -hmm. you know, versus trying to always find the negative in things. And then I think the third thing is just really like Harper has really taught me to just like notice all the small things and appreciate all the small things. I've gotten a few actually messages from like aides that work at her school that have said that she's really helped them realize that how beautiful like little things can be and like how much joy you can get out of like the simple things in life. It doesn't have to be like this big hoopla. It just can literally be like the smallest, simplest thing, like even a hug from them, like is my whole world. Like I've waited so long for a hug from her, like any, Mm. you know, like any kind of like loving like that. Like she was definitely not a toucher. She didn't like to be touched, nothing. And now she like even gives Ryder hugs and Mm. it just like melts my entire being, like just seeing those little moments or like even when she'll say like, good night, Ryder, love you or have a good day. See you later. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, these little moments just like really make me grateful for the bigger moments that we get to have together. Yeah. I would say for me, the first is 
absolutely like patience. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> Tested every single bit of my patience and really shown me like what a patient person I actually am. Yes. And what you can be. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then the second piece would be like empathy, like having the ability to, again, see the world through their eyes, like seeing I can't imagine how scary the world is for her at times. Yes. And how big and overwhelming. It's overstimulating for me. Yes. I can't imagine how overstimulating it must be for her. Right. And so like being able to like empathize with that and just holding space for her and all of her emotions has been the second thing for sure. And I would say the last thing is finding joy in those little moments. Like when we have good days, I just relish like in those moments. And even when we have bad days, the other day was like so bad. And we ended that day with, I won't say it's bad. It was so unbelievably difficult. And then we ended the day with, I said, what is going to make you happy? To her. I said, please just tell me what yes. what would make do you, you want happy ice cream? right now. Like yes. just fucking tell me yes. and I will do it. Yes. And she wanted to put up the Christmas tree. Oh yes. And so I'm by myself yes. putting up this like eight foot tree. Like <laughs> a, a, what I was thinking at yeah. seven o'clock at night. Like I just wanted her to like stop and seeing the magic in her eyes when I turned on that tree and just her looking at it and just like it like her eyes lit up. The whole rest of the day didn't fucking mean anything. It didn't matter. And so finding the joy when the days are good, they're so good. Yeah, of course. And I live for those days. Yes. And then those sweet moments of pause Mm -hmm. in those challenging days. And I put the kids to bed and it was an easy bedtime. Thank God. Oh God, bedtime is like my worst nightmare. Bedtime is just... My husband does the mornings and I do the nights. And he thinks that mornings are harder than nights. Oh no. No, bedtime is like... I'm Bedtime's so tired. I'm yes, so everybody's, tapped out. Yeah, and, and everybody's so patience crazy. is done. <laughs> yes, yes. And they just want to keep going. It's like, how do you have energy? For one, can I have some of that energy? Yes. And for two, can we please just like sleep? Because yes. like I like sleep. <laughs> so like I would really like to sleep. <laughs> so yeah. And then I just sat by my tree and I just was like, all is calm. Like everything's okay. And now I get to crawl into bed yes. and watch my show and enjoy an hour. It, it has taught me presence, like really taking it moment by moment and remembering in those hard moments, like this morning I had to do this. I go, this is not forever. No. It is for right now. Right. It is really hard. Yeah. You feel like you're losing your shit. This is not forever. It's barely a millisecond of anything. And it feels like forever in the moment. Yeah. And that's 100% valid. And I'm sure it feels like an eternity to the babes in the moment. Mm-hmm. But you're right. It's it's not forever. It's a blip. It is. And then it passes. And then you're not even going to remember it in 10 years from now. You're only going to remember these moments of joy that we get from these children that bring everything, you know. And, and I will say one thing that resonated with me from you recently was like you posted this quote about like not fi- not getting all of your joy from your children. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, this really hit the nail on the head for me because I feel like for so long— I try to drown myself in just like only finding joy there and kind of losing yourself. And then once you rediscover yourself and find things that make you feel happy and make you feel like energized and make you feel refreshed, it's like, wow, obviously they bring me a ton of joy. 
but also I have to be able to bring myself some joy yeah. too because I am a person. Yeah. And you it know? puts too much pressure on our children. Yes. Too. To like, constantly, to be constantly be my joy. Be your joy. Because it's if not they have fair. a bad day, then it's like you're taking it all out on them. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and you're right. It's not fair. It becomes this really vicious codependent cycle. Yes. And I think it's interesting the narrative as I've you know, been prioritizing my overall well-being and mental health. And which is so funny because everyone must think that I'm away from my kids all the time. I'm with my kids but literally no. 24-7. But do you show them all the time? No. no. because like in these moments, for one. For, mel- I'm not going to record my kid when they're melting down, nope. which is 90% nope. of the day. Yep, exactly. Because it's called boundaries. <laughs> yes. And I would not want somebody to be recording me mean? when I'm not having a good day. Nope. And, it, you know, and you're right. That's what people don't get. It's like we're with our kids so, so much. much. You only see what I choose to show you. And that's yes. five seconds of my life. Yes. And you it's know? a blip in time. Yes. And you don't see any of the other hard work that went behind that moment. No. You know, whether it's a milestone or a meltdown, you don't see the before and after no. of what happened. And so, you know, I I will just say that, like, by prioritizing myself, what I found is that my kids are actually happier and happier. Yes, because you're happier. I'm happier. And that energy is just flowing off into them. I know. I, it's it's amazing. It's been amazing to watch. The hard thing is how do you balance it all, which has been my greatest struggle because it's like I almost feel like I need a personal assistant to take care of all of the stuff that comes with Dakota's appointments. Right. And I can't imagine how you do it. Balancing though, kids. I just kicked that shit out the window because <laughs> there's no balancing. It's just like all just like we're going <laughs> to just make it work because I feel like there's no balance. Like that expectation is wild. That yeah. expectation will kill me. Like I have to like have less expectation for myself like you know and it's so hard to manage both of them I feel like once you've done it though for so long like it's just like a routine like clockwork basically like there's not like before it was so hard to adjust to two like oh my gosh how are we going to do this like all these appointments you know I feel like as they get older it gets a little bit easier in some ways but also it gets a lot bit a lot a bit harder because they're bigger and they need different things and just trying to give everything to them and yourselves it's just it's a lot I've literally spent probably about 12 hours on the phone with doctors offices and insurance companies in the last week and I there has been no time to do anything no. else you know, and I'm just so grateful for you coming out here all the way from San Diego to do this. I'm and grateful for you waiting for me since I was late. <laughs> but that's the thing is like, and that's where that grace and patience come in. It's like you're running behind. It's okay. There was traffic. You're a special needs mom. You've got a lot going on. And I get it. Right. And I just wish that people who maybe aren't in our shoes right. can empathize with that. Right. And be patient with us yes. as we try to navigate Wait, everything. And it's so much, you're right. Like sometimes you're just so far behind because you're stuck on the phone, making these phone calls, trying to get through to people, trying to get the best of the best for these kids. And it doesn't just happen like in a snap of a finger. It literally takes time and patience and advocating on your end and having the doctor's office work hand in hand with you because if we're not working as a team, it's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Where can everyone follow you on social? Uh, You can follow me at underscore Ashley Montano on Instagram or on Facebook at Hope for Writer. Love that. Thank you. This week's affirmation is, I stay in a place of gratitude for all that I have. And so it is. 
If you enjoyed this week's episode, do me a favor, follow along with us, leave a review. It means so much to me. There are new episodes of Recovering From Reality every Monday, and you can follow me on social at Recovering From Reality or visit my website, recoveringfromreality.com. 